This program is sponsored by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Students and faculty aren't just ready for change at the Scripps College, they're hungry for it. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Robert Padovic. He's Director of Virtual Reality and 360-degree video at USA Today. Robert has a long history of being on the cutting edge of storytelling with his former work at CNN, NBC News, and Yahoo News. He now is in charge of producing a three times a week series for USA Today called Virtually There. He talks with us about the evolution of virtual reality storytelling and some of its potential applications. Before we get into the future, Tell us what you do now. Right now, I'm pretty fortunate to do virtual reality uh, storytelling and production as a full-time job um, at USA Today Network. I lead a small team of producers, uh, and we're responsible for helping the network um, utilize VR and 360-degree multimedia as a storytelling option. You know, that's that's our goal for this medium. we recognized pretty early on that VR uh, is is a completely new medium, um, not as opposed to sort of a, a format uh, tweak. Uh, you know, video on um, on mobile uh, versus video on television or whatever is still video, right? But right. in the case of VR, you're we're talking about a, a new medium, um, a way to experience stories on on new devices you know, and, and in new ways. So. We just want the to be able to use that as an option, and if we see a story uh, we that is better told in VR as opposed to uh, uh, any other medium, we um, we want the network to have the capability to do that. So um, we we help our properties uh, produce 360 video. We try to stay on top of the trends and the latest gear and and um, and all of that. Although that's getting increasingly difficult to stay ahead of, it's moving so fast. Um, and we produce a weekly uh, set of news uh, features in, in VR for a show called Virtually There, which is sort of our flagship uh, show. And um, so that's what we do. It's, so, it's pretty good. So trace for me your evolution because – I understand you graduated undergraduate degree in 1999, uh, Mm -hmm. not that long ago, but it seems like ages, (laughs) ages ago when you look at technology and the advents of technology during uh, that period. How did you go from where you were to being not only an adapter but a creator in VR? And. It feels a lot longer ago, I guess, than it is. But yeah. um, I mean, I'm I, uh, a very proud alum of, of OU and Scripps, and I was a, a, a print major, magazine journalism. Um, and my first job out of uh, college was CNN. So I immediately wow. kind of you know nice. br- branched away from that. 
into the entry level program at CNN, which was great, and just sort of went from there, um, building on the foundation of what I learned at Scripps about writing and storytelling. That's always going to be the foundation, right? Um, but the one thing we know about the news business is that it's going to constantly evolve, and um, you know I think I've just embraced that and and gone from television news, um, CNN and NBC to the internet, to an opportunity at Yahoo News to produce original content there, which was, uh, which was great. And, um, and then just kind of continued through it at, at USA Today. I started, um, just as, as one of the, the, um, one of the leaders in just overall video, uh, helping the network, uh, on video production and strategy. And uh, when, opportunities came up to start producing in 360 and in VR, just jumped in and, and ran with it and started experimenting. And it just so happened that, um, you know, we were kind of right in, in making that bet and the medium exploded and the company uh, wanted more and more VR up until the point where it became a full-time job. The um, concept of, of 360 uh, and VR, uh, I'd like for you to break down the differences for my listening audience. They may not know what the difference is. Right, and great, great point, um, because they are two different things, re- closely related but different. 360-degree uh, video um, is not VR. It's VR when you're watching content on a headset. That is what provides the immersion you know, that is what puts you into a place or puts you into someone's shoes uh, virtually. Uh, these places that you couldn't otherwise go or couldn't otherwise experience, it, we're able to sort of take you there through VR. And that's only possible uh, on a headset. 360-degree content is sort of um, a byproduct of that. It's, it's, very, it's very cool. It's, it's a great experience to watch a 360-degree video um, on your mobile phone or even on desktop where you can, you know, scroll around and look wherever you want. Um, but we always really try to evangelize for people that if you can watch this on a headset because it's just so much, uh, more immersive. We recognize that it's a selective audience right now. It's, it takes a few, you know, you have to jump through a few hoops to watch content on a headset. Even if you own one, you know, it's still, there's a few things you have to do. Right. And so it's a selective audience. Um, it's growing very fast, you know, as inevitably headsets get uh, better and cheaper and more accessible. You know, all of that, we're still in the early days of the medium. And so all of that is happening very quickly. Uh, but that's the main difference. It's you got to watch it in a headset. You, you must feel like a pioneer in many respects. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, I hope so. You know, we we but I think. The point is, is that we, in this medium, there are no experts. It's so new that um, even though I've been doing it for a couple of years, I, it, we're still experimenting every day, and everyone is discovering together sort of the lexicon for the medium, and that's going to be just as important for us to discover that through experimenting as it is for the audience to inform us about what they like and what they don't. I have a pet theory that uh, we at this time are in uh, 
an era of media as dialogue because we talk about everything, whether it's through social media, pick your pick your <laughs> company, but we talk about everything. Uh, my pet theory is that that's not going to be enough for the generation that has been weaned with tablets. <laughs> and that generation is going to have to have an experience with media, not just talk about it, not just watch it on a flat screen and talk about it like we're doing now, but experience that that feeling of what a hurricane might be like. Uh, is that sort of the concept that you're working with? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, we it, we increasingly need to have our audiences um, feel vested in what we're creating because with all of these mediums, um, the, anybody can do it. You know, it, it's um, definitely in the case of VR, it's not just the news and information and uh, professionals and journalists who are utilizing this storytelling. Pretty much every uh, big organization, every advertiser um, on the map is is doing their own content in VR. And so we're competing with that. We need to find where the places where we can add value through, I think, kind of the like the core journalism and storytelling that we layer on to what we're doing. Um, we're also trying to figure out, everyone's trying to figure out kind of what the, um, the social aspect of VR looks like. Because right now it's just, it's a one-to-one -one experience. You know, you have a headset on and you're in your own world. And, um, and so Facebook and others are really trying to figure out how to make that a community, how to make it a community, how to, how to grow the medium in kind of a holistic way where um, it becomes ever more experiential. I think there's definitely something to be said for just, you know, you're immersing, you're immersing someone in a place that they couldn't otherwise be. And for now, I think that's enough, but not for long. <laughs> so tell us about the, the virtually there it's weekly, which sounds incredibly demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, but but what is it? How do people find it? What what do they get when they get there? Right. So we were doing our VR for for the first year or two was experimentation, sort of one off efforts, and we realized very quickly the need and the opportunity to kind of bring that together under one roof. And so we conceived um, basically a weekly show, for lack of a better word. Virtually there is one of the first, if not the first, news uh, experiences n native to VR. It's a weekly series produced uh, for VR. And so you can find it. It's a partnership with YouTube. Um, and so you can find it at youtube.com slash virtually there, VR truly there, um, uh, or in the USA Today app in the virtual reality section. And, and you can watch it in 360 degrees or in cardboard mode. Or if you have a Google uh, Daydream headset, which is one of the best headsets that just sort of just hit the market, you can watch just it. Just recently, right? Right. You can watch it on that headset. And so uh, it is very demanding. It, it's three uh, features a week. We're That's a lot. It is a lot. We've um, been very fortunate to bring on an executive producer uh, from National Geographic named David Hamlin, um, who is a longtime just uh, you know, rock star uh, showrunner, and, and he's, he's running the show. And so the content is, is all the sorts of things that I guess you would um, imagine that VR can really add value to, you know, um, sports, uh, extreme nature, 
uh, things that sort of give you VIP or behind the scenes access to events and, and characters. Some of the stories have been, um, you know, on the deck of an aircraft carrier, uh, all the way to underwater swimming with sharks, you know, all, all the things that just these really cool experiences that VR can, uh, can immerse you in. And, and again, with an e- emphasis on the characters and, and the stories that sort of go along with that. If you look at all of the media uh, in my lifetime and in your lifetime, probably the one that's changed the least has been movies. We, we still go. We still pay. We still get our popcorn. We still go in and watch something on a flat screen with mm-hmm. uh, amazing sound usually. And But it's a collective experience. Do you see VR going into the era of movies where you're in the movie yourself, going into the area of concerts and other forms of entertainment? Mm-hmm. It's it's happening. Um, but I think it's really important to note that you know we really strongly say that VR isn't um, going to replace any of any other uh, mediums that came before it. We, we see it as a notch on the timeline, kind of as content has moved from you know, print to radio to TV to, to digital. VR is another notch there. It's another way to experience it, but not replacing. And so Hollywood, um, some of the most amazing wizardry in VR is coming out of Hollywood. They, uh, they're they all trying to figure out kind of the sweet spot for storytelling in VR because it is, um, it you know, you have a headset on your face and these are <laughs> still early days headsets that that are it's not comfortable to have to watch content in vr for for too too long um the google daydream headset that i mentioned is kind of the first one that's actually i think very comfortable to wear like they've kind of nailed it kind of feels like putting a movie theater on your face in a way because <laughs> it's soft you know it, it kind of matches like the the wall carpeting of a movie theater yeah it's very interesting um but um so in, in in terms of Hollywood and um, and uh, you mentioned uh, rock you know concerts, music concerts, yeah. that, it's that's an incredible use of the medium. Um, you know you can be on stage next to uh, one of the one of the hottest artists in a huge arena or um, in a small intimate venue with with some of the hottest bands on the planet in incredible um, video and 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 audio experience. Like that is. A, a, those are some of the best VR experiences going right now. And as headsets get better, that's going to continue to be the case. So what have you in VR taken from the gaming industry? Uh, It seems to me that VR is not a game. I mean, there are VR games, but (laughs) VR is not a game in and of itself and certainly not what you're trying to do. But I'm, I assume that you're probably taking some things from gaming theory mm-hmm. and how games have been put together to apply to what you're doing in news and information. Is that correct? Yeah, it, absolutely correct. Our uh, lead creative uh, designer on our VR development team um, came from Electronic Arts. He's a game designer. And he um, is extremely talented, and he wanted to um, tell stories. And the first VR experiment, really, that we built was it contained a lot of elements of sort of what you'd consider basic gameplay. It was called Harvest of Change, and it was a collaboration with our with the Des Moines Register, which Gannett owns. 
and it was an in-depth feature looking at how all the changes facing farmers in Iowa. And so um, we shot a bunch of 360-degree video features and worked with uh, Ray Soto is his name, our lead designer, who modeled out a, vir- a virtual uh, model of, of, of the farm in Iowa, the, the, sort of the main character's farm, like to scale, to detail. You know, he spent two weeks making sure he had the right size of the hay bales at, at the farm. And the end experience was you could explore the farm. Um, it was built for the Oculus Rift. You could explore the far- the virtual farm and discover hotspots along the way where you would enter into those and you would be in a 360 degree video like in the barn or you know, riding in the tractor with the main character. Um, that experience won a Murrow Award for, for the, the register. And, um, and so from there, we've, we've continued to embrace, you know, that's one of the fundamental um, driving forces of the medium. Gaming in VR is, is, is a major driving force and some of the games being developed are un- unbelievable. So we need to be um, using the elements of the medium that the audience sort of is expecting and figuring out how to translate that in the most effective ways to news and information storytelling. Well, that transitions me to my next uh, interest, which is the ethics Mm -hmm. of of all of this. Uh, Ethics never is the forerunner of something. (laughs) It always trails along behind. And and, uh, there there are ethical questions about VR that that haven't even been thought of, let alone addressed. Is that right? Right, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's something that we started to think about um, as soon as we jumped in because it's such a different um, way of producing a story and it's such a different way of experiencing a story. I think some of the ethics questions that we're grappling with are the same ones we grapple with in any medium. You know, we're we're like, we're still making decisions about um, which sound bites to include, which... Fairness. Yeah, fairness, how to edit scenes together. Uh, all of this is kind of the fundamental things, but what what's different is um, is the just the the very different approach to the storytelling and and what the tools uh, can can deliver. I mean, when you're shooting everything in 360 degrees, everything is in the shot. Um, we need to make sure that our subjects realize that. If we're covering um, breaking news, for example, um, some of some of these cameras that we're using don't even really look like cameras, that, like traditional cameras that you would see and, and know immediately that that's a camera. I always tell the story of um, I did a VR shoot with the Cincinnati Reds early on, and uh, the one of the pitching coaches thought, thought that the camera I was using was a, a speed gun <laughs> because it just doesn't look like a camera. One of those and, radar guns right. that they use and, and for so pitchers. Not only that, but... Um, even if you might realize it's a camera, you might not realize it's shooting in 360 degrees. So if you're standing behind me, you're in the shot. Um, and so that gets really tricky when you think about covering breaking news. Um, and then you layer on top of that, there's a lot of techniques to make VR better and feel more immersive um, that basically get into, for example, in the downward facing view of the sphere, you're going to see the tripod you know, you're going to see th- everything's in the shot. So a lot of people, um, a lot of productions remove that. And and so that you're so you're feeling more immersed in the scene. You're not seeing any of this other stuff. There, there's obvious ethics considerations there when it comes to journalism. Um, 
you know, we, we've made the decision not to really do that. I personally feel that the whole point of the, the medium is that whatever's in the shot is there. And, um, I think it is beneficial to just leave everything in. Um, there's been some, some trouble or, or some questions that have been raised, uh, in particular, um, pieces of storytelling that, that, uh, audiences felt that they felt staged. You know, it's, it's really hard to, to get a 360 shot, right? Yeah. Cause the camera, you know, you can't zoom, you can't pan, whatever, whatever the camera sees, that's your shot. And so uh, we have to be very careful about staging things. Um, there's a lot to consider. Do you see VR as a, a, a way of um, conflict coverage, uh, war coverage, uh, conflicts of all kinds? But but uh, that seems to be a little dicey as well because you do get everything in the shot. Right, and you're, we have to remember that when you're watching content in a headset, it's it's extremely uh, visceral. It, the immersion. Uh, that it gives you is is um, is it's just extremely. Um, it can be very emotional. You know, you're very close to the content, and I think that it it raises, as we were just talking about, sort of a, a question we always grapple with, with, especially in conflict coverage. And I've done a lot of it in my career, with um, how you how much is too much. You know how how do we deal with with showing these things that we have an obligation you want to have an accurate depiction you want but you can cross a line right. to where uh it, it's it's titillating almost in a bizarre way right and it just it, it's amplified yeah you know, it, showing something in vr it, it's just really amplifies the all of the emotions and um there's been some great conflict coverage in in vr um there's uh, the new york times um comes to mind they, they've done some stuff out of um they did a a, a really in-depth feature on on displaced persons i guess it wasn't um you know conflict coverage that you would think of in the in the, the bang bang sense but but um a lot of stuff has been done on, on refugees a lot of stuff has been done on syria mm-hmm. and it will continue to be used in that way um i think it's just it comes back to thinking understanding the the, the medium that you're presenting this content in and then applying kind of the same litmus test that we always apply when we make decisions about what to show um, from conflict. We'll be back after this message. At the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University, students and faculty aren't just ready for change, they're hungry for it. The Scripps College was awarded $878,000 by the Ohio University Innovation Strategy Program for an immersive media initiative that will allow students to become skilled leaders in immersive media, especially virtual and augmented reality. The college's Game Research and Immersive Design Lab will serve as the hub for the initiative and provide several million dollars worth of gear, processes, intellectual property, award-winning scholars, and partnerships for the project. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. So let's let's take your uh, virtually there 
show as as an example and build from that if we could. How long do you have to prepare for a weekly show? I'm assuming you don't do all the VR within that week, that you're planning way ahead because these take some time. Right, yeah, especially for um, sort of feature, uh, VR, VR features. The, uh, the, the production process is very time-consuming. The pre-production process is crucial because, it, as we mentioned, the, the game is all about uh, getting your cameras exactly where they need to be. Because when you're watching content in a headset, the camera is your face, literally. Not literally, but the, yeah. obviously. But the, whatever the camera sees, that is what is being projected through your headset. And so it's very, very important to give a true sense of immersion, um, the camera has to be in, in the right place, like where you would naturally be in the scene. And if we can't get a camera there, it in some cases it, it kills the scene. So right. we spend a, an awful lot of time in pre-production understanding how we're gonna get cameras in certain places, especially for some of these shoots. Like we did an awesome piece with uh, about a wing walker, you know, these guys who who yeah. uh, stand on top of these uh, wow. vin- vintage biplanes. and. Um, the the, produ- the very talented producer, uh, his name's Casey McGinnis. He spent weeks kind of sketching out, and and he worked with actually worked with a, uh, a, a a a plane mechanic to build some custom rigs to get the cameras exactly where they needed to be on the wings, and it made the piece because you feel that natural sense of immersion. Um, once you are in the field and you've done your pre-production well, hopefully um, the shoots themselves are you just put the camera where it needs to be and like push play, you know, and then it, and then it transitions to post-production where, um, right now to achieve high resolution, uh, 360 video, we're using rigs that all the multiple, um, cameras need to be stitched together. It's in, in post. So that takes a lot of time. And then once you've done that piece, then you're putting together, you're editing the story together. Um, and so start to finish, you know, that process takes weeks. Um, we've done a few things w- where we've tried to do real-time turnaround. Um, we covered the Indy 500, for example, um, which, was, which was great. But it took us, it still took us, um, you know, about 24 hours to, to sure. turn a piece around and publish it. Let's talk about sound in relation to VR. Mm-hmm. Everybody focuses on, most everybody focuses on the visual immersion. But sound has to be uh, realistic. It has to be the sense of your ears that are on the side of your head. They're not one directional. Exactly. Uh, t- talk about that. Great. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's, um, you know, we always say that in, in video, video is kind of like 90% audio. Um, that's even more true with VR because uh, audio is really what gives you that sense of immersion. Um, the field of spatial audio is, is one of the, the biggest sort of burgeoning fields in, in VR, and, and that refers to processing audio the way that your head does. As you mentioned, it, you know, it, your, your ears don't process audio left to right. They process it... Um, your brain processes audio spherically, right, spatially. And so um, there's a host of post-production techniques that are being employed to to place audio um, around the sphere so that when you're uh, you're turning your head, 
in, in VR, um, the audio follows you in, in a natural way as if you were in that scene physically. Um, it's incredibly time consuming and, and complicated to, to do. And, um, the, the experts in this field are just like way, uh, they're, they're, they're just, way out there. They're right? way, yeah. The, the stuff that they're doing is incredible. Um, but, uh, it, you know, especially for things like gaming, if you think about, you know, uh, films, as we were talking about earlier, think about a horror movie in VR, you know, the audio of kind of like hearing something behind over your shoulder and you turn around and, you know, yeah, it um, really has to be directional. Right. <laughs> it's, and so that's a, a crucial aspect of VR. How do you, um, I, I'm not sure how to put this, but when you create VR, you're, you're creating an experience, but not everybody comes to that experience with the same set of values or aesthetics or whatever. So everybody's going to have a different reaction to that experience. I assume you aim it at sort of a normative level, but you're going to have people who panic with VR. You're going to have people who get emotionally upset with VR. You're going to have people who get motion sickness with with VR. Mm-hmm. How does all that play into how you create something? That's a great question. We, we talked about that a lot, especially as we were um, conceiving kind of the format of Virtually There, our weekly show, because we're still in... Um, we're still in in the period of time with this space where there's a lot of new users in VR. It's a very overwhelming medium. You know, you're just looking around, um, taking it all in. Uh, and so we talked a lot about sort of how much handholding we needed to do in um, our initial episodes, um, how explicit we need to be in, in, in saying, you know, don't forget to look around. Um, do we want to include any sort of directional prompts w- to the effect of, you know, know, look over here or, or or things like that. We talk a lot about, uh, information retention in VR. Uh, Is it more effective to show you if, if I want you to really get a crucial piece of information, should I do that as a voiceover? Uh, should I do that as text on screen? You know, we, we can employ a lot of graphics techniques to, to layer onto the 360 image, um, you know, text or 2D photos or videos, or we can do a lot to really fill up the space, but how much is too much? When you're looking around all over the place, uh, you're inevitably going to see a lot, but miss a lot. And uh, I think we're just in, right now, we're just trying to strike the balance and do good storytelling, be transparent about what we're showing. And, um, but at the same time, not not keep it simple too. Not overwhelm the viewer with too much information coming at him at once, and let them just sort of look around and enjoy it. The big question in any new um, medium is how does one monetize it? Mm-hmm. Uh, now people can buy the headsets at a fairly reasonable price, but how do you, as a news producer? look at how you're going to monetize this five years from now or three years from now. Right. Um, well, the cool thing about the VR is that it, it's 
since it's such a new uh, medium, it, the collaboration across industries has been amazing. So we spend a lot of time talking to uh, the technology builders like Samsung and Google, um, as well as uh, advertising partners, because we're all tr- trying to figure out how to, how to do this right. Some of the most amazing VR content uh, to date has been created by advertisers. Uh, car companies that come to mind, they, they've been producing some incredible VR. Um, there was a, a tequila brand, I can't remember which one, that produced like a, a, an interactive piece where you explore their, the process of making their tequila that was a, a really well, extremely well done VR piece. Um, so advertisers are, are using it now. The big question for everybody is sort of trying to follow the audience. We know that it's a selective audience watching content in headsets, so we're trying to lead the way and evangelize with our audiences, with with advertisers, and in helping them come up with solutions to effectively advertise in VR, um, and while at the same time offering options to advertise just in, in 360 degree content on our platforms, on YouTube and Facebook. You know, those those are the platforms right now where content is being um, consumed and mass even though it's not in VR. Um, and so we're just working together with them. One of the things we, we did with the Virtually There show is um, we sort of came up with an ad format in VR called a Cubemercial. That was um, sort of an interstitial experience that we were able to provide sort of a template to advertisers, t- for advertisers to be able to represent their brands um, in this format. And because there's no, like there's no banner ad standard for VR, there's no ad standards at all. We're trying to just collaborate and and figure it out together. And if you went to the product placement approach, then then you get into ethical situations of how much you're changing the landscape, right? right? Can't do that. But we, I mean, we, Gannett has a branded content studio that is creating, you know, like many, many others, uh, we're creating content, uh, branded content. Sure. With advertisers and um, and our branded content studio creates VR content as well. Help out my listeners as far as you know timeline. What 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 can they expect? Can they expect this to be a normal part of their life in in the next five years, or or, or what are they expecting? I think that well, we know that the space is following kind of the the trajectory that tech inevitably does where everything is getting cheaper and better at the same time. So the costs and the the barriers to entry with VR are coming down fast and headsets are getting much, much better as we've discussed. So I think everything is going to just continue to converge kind of through VR into AR, you know, augmented reality. As headsets get better, all of this is and as processing power with our devices gets better, um, it's just going to continue to converge. Um, and basically, the headsets are getting much more interactive, you know, as we've mentioned. And that means we're going to be able to continue to build experiences th- that are m- much more layered and, and much richer than... It's very cool to, to watch a 360-degree video on a headset and just look around and take it all in, but we're starting to build content now that layers on um, uh, interactivity, you know, reveal um, information, data visualization. Um, all of that is, is going to get much more seamless. 
a merger of uh, AR and VR together. Right. right. I think that's what's, you know, it, it, that, I think that's where it's going. Well, Robert, thank you so much for talking with us. You've got a fascinating career uh, thank <laughs> ahead you. of you. I feel, um, yeah, I feel grateful and, and, um, and excited about uh, where all this is going. And it's just, it's just really fun. You know, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's, it, it's kind of a, a mind bending thing to work in a lot of challenges, but, um, you know, just having the capacity to produce stories in this way is, is really, really fun. Thanks. Thank you. Today, we've been talking with Robert Padovet, Director of Virtual Reality and 360-degree video for USA Today. We've been talking about the potential of VR storytelling. Spectrum is produced by WBOGB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We welcome your feedback also, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Dot edu.